Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. My name is Beth Givens, and I'm the pastor at Wellborn United Methodist Church in Richmond, Virginia. In the wake of George Floyd's death and the rising conversations about race and policing in the United States, we at Wellborn, a predominantly white congregation, were looking for ways to have conversation about these issues because understanding is the starting point for transformation. We decided that creating this podcast might be a good first step, especially after one of our small groups liked Emmanuel Acho's series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, which I encourage you to also check out. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with Each Other About Race. And joining me this week is my friend, Bill Davidge. Um, Bill has been a member of Wellborn for a while, but I'll let him tell you a little bit about that. Welcome, Bill. Tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Sure, yes. Uh, I'm Bill Davidge. I'm partly retired from the engineering business. And... Uh, been a member at Wellburn for over 35 years, and uh, uh, we, my wife Jackie and I, raised our daughters at Wellburn, and it was a terrific place then to raise kids, and just like it is now. Uh, that's a nutshell version. Good. So, um, how long have you lived in Richmond, and you know where'd you where'd you grow up before Richmond? Um, and with what race do you identify when you have to check the box? Okay, I'm a white Caucasian. Um, my grandparents had told me that we're mixed, we're, we're mutts. We come from a lot of different backgrounds. My name is British. Mm -hmm. um, we moved to Richmond. Uh, I took a, uh, an opportunity for a career advancement by moving here. And uh, that was in 1982. Mm -hmm. And it was soon after that we joined Weldon. Mm -hmm. And you had your kids. Um, yes, your kids were born in Richmond, right? Our kids, uh, our uh, uh, oldest was born in Baltimore. We lived okay. in Baltimore, Jackie and I, together mm -hmm. uh, after we were married. And uh, so Amy was born in Baltimore. And then we lived in Lynchburg for five years, and Aaron was born there. Okay. Okay. And then you came here. So, but you grew up in New York? Right. Am I right about that? Yeah. Okay. I okay. grew up in Metropolitan, Long Island, New York. All right. Uh, in a uh, sort of a painted white type mm -hmm. uh, of uh, neighborhood and school. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, my family moved to the Shenandoah Valley when I was a senior in high school. Wow. And so I went to uh, school at Fort Defiance High School. Okay. Augusta County. Yeah. And from there went to on to UVA. Same as you, yep. right? That's right. That's right. Double who's. So do you have a story from, from your life about race? Um, you know, uh, 
like when did you first become aware of it and and what memories does the subject stir up for you well growing up in long island new york and suburban long island new york uh, i've lived a sheltered existence i didn't see much diversity young people growing up in the richmond area most any place in the richmond area see a lot more diversity than i did when i was a youngster and uh because of that, I, I was sheltered, and, and I can remember back in, when I was in high school, there being a, a, a person that was part white, part black, who, who uh, was obviously multiracial, had a multiracial background, and he was different. He st this person stood out. Um, but my first experience with race and diversity was uh, when I camped with the YMCA of Greater New York. And uh, it was a beautiful boys camp up in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, it was, there were kids from all five boroughs of New York City, uh, plus the suburbs surrounding it, both in Westchester County to the north and in Long mm -hmm. Island to the, to the south and east. So, uh, so there was, a, it was really a melting pot of, of races. And my first job at that camp was as a dishwasher. This was after right. my 10th grade year in school. Mm -hmm. And I decided, yeah, I just wanted to, to get out and see the world a little bit. And I thought that would be a good way is to sign on with the Y. And so uh, I was on a crew with four other uh, boys that were about my age, around the same age. Two of them were Hispanic. And Two of them were black, so I I uh, uh, worked side by side with these people, uh, spent a lot of uh, work time with them, and then a lot of free time with them because mm -hmm. we were a team, and uh, we worked together and and got to know each other really well. Uh, my best friend that summer from that summer was a black man who was mm -hmm. a young man who from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, kind of an eye-opening experience. I think it was a good experience for all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, I expect that the Hispanic fellows and the black fellows were uh, in communities where they were with people like them, just like I was in Long Island, mm -hmm. New York. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, it turned out to be a positive experience. And aside from that, the camp had even more diversity than that, in that uh, you had foreign exchange counselors. So I, I really got to know some of the some of the folks from Europe. They, these guys would come. These these people would come over from Europe, and they had a deal where they could spend uh, two months at camp, and then two weeks on either side of it before and after camp, they get a chance to tour the U.S. at a for, and stay in hostels and do it on a song. Wow. Yeah, I think so. I've talked to like people at Bush Gardens or King's Dominion who have a similar deal um, like that in the summer. Well, not this summer, but yeah. That's great. I, I got to know a lot of really interesting uh, people and a lot of really good people too. There were a lot of good people in the camp and uh, it was a uh, just a, a great experience. And, and uh, in succeeding years, uh, the second year, I, 
was a junior counselor and got promoted partway through the summer and became uh, the uh, senior counselor in charge of the second oldest cabin in the camp. So the kids that I was counselor to were maybe nominally three years younger than me. Right, right. <laughs> um, That's always a dangerous leadership moment. Yeah. Uh, but that was a good experience too. You know, the, the, the campers were, there were, it was split pretty close to 50-50 yeah. uh, with uh, uh, whites and as compared to others. So uh, uh, just, just a, a wholesome, good experience. You know, the YMCA is a terrific yep. organization. Yep, yep. You know, I'm on the Y board here, and, and I really am a champion for what they do for diversity in our community in, in Tuckahoe. So, yeah. Um, so those were some great, like, introductions to what life is like in a diverse community. How'd you take that back into Brooklyn? And then I'm guessing Fort Defiance High School was somewhat mixed, but predominantly white. Yes, that's, that's yeah. pretty, you hit it. Uh, I'd say probably uh, uh, eight to two, something yeah. of that nature. Yeah, I mean, because it sounds to me like, so first of all, you were a minority in the dishwasher group, right? I'm sure yeah. for the first time in your life, you were, you know, the only white person in the, in the group. And, but the, those relationships became deep friendships. Um, and then to go into a setting or a couple of settings, maybe where that didn't happen as much, or maybe it did. Mm -hmm. Well, probably the next uh, opportunity I had to, to deal with people of different race was mm -hmm. uh, uh, at school, at, at college. Mm -hmm. And you get mm -hmm. diversity in, in college. Yep. And yep. even though uh, the number of African-American people, students at UVA was uh, a very small percentage, probably mm -hmm. smaller than Fort Defiance, right? More like oh, yeah. uh, uh, nine to one, perhaps. Right, uh, right. Uh, that, uh, uh, I, I still had an exposure and there were, there were uh, African-American people in my class, in my mm -hmm. classes, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, we, we had, uh, um, uh, friendly relationships with mm -hmm. those people and cooperative relationships mm -hmm. as, as uh, 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 students working together. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really form any close bonds Friendship. with people during yeah. that time. I think sometimes the the African American students of that time uh, were uh, more prone to stay to themselves. Mm -hmm. And weren't weren't quite as outgoing with uh, relationships with 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 white people. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you started learning in that setting um, anything about the history of Black Americans, or you know maybe a different flavor of of history. Part of the reason that that I asked that question is because 15 years later, 20 years later, um, at Virginia was where I first was, was really exposed to, to that different perspective on history. Was that happening academically when you were there? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah I took a sociology class and, and mm -hmm. part of it was a segment of black studies. And, uh, and it, during, the <clears throat> during the late 60s and early 70s, there, there was a, 
big movement of pride, of yeah. pride in being black, black pride. Yeah. And in fact, you know, people, you wouldn't want to call somebody the N-word, a Negro. You know, that before that time, that was what, how we identified black people. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, if I'm talking to people who are in the same generation as, as I, I have no problem saying black. In yeah. fact, black friends say, yeah, we refer to them mm -hmm. as black people. And at that time, there was a, a really strong sense of pride and many black people that were looking to their roots, that were uh, interested in genealogy and interested mm -hmm. in finding about how how their family mm -hmm. came to the country and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it was uh, 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 an enlightening time to be to be that uh, black power movement was yeah. was born during the time that I was at UVA, wow. and, and and we. Uh, there was also uh, a time of protest and mm -hmm. student unrest, as, mm -hmm. as it was called, mm -hmm. shootings at Kent State. Yeah. And this, this boiled down to the, the uh, uh, protests, anti-war protests, mm -hmm. uh, particularly after the invasion of Cambodia yeah. during the war. Yep. In Vietnam. Yep. And so uh, uh, during that time, uh, the Black Power Movement was right there in the in, in view of all of this that was going on, and there was a segment of that that was in the media, and uh, mm -hmm. and that when you went to a protest, you'd be likely to see uh, a component of of yeah. uh, maybe an information table or or people uh, passing out leaflets. Mm -hmm. To, to folks that want to find out more about that movement. Hmm. So it was very present, very, um, very mm -hmm. much a part of the life of the community life. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, with all of this and, and with your background, do you get uncomfortable talking about race, um, especially in the midst of, of a period that we're in now of perhaps um, um, a heightened push for justice? Is it, does it ever make you uncomfortable? I'm sympathetic. Um, I have a sympathetic attitude to the Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. uh, movement. And uh, I hate to see lawlessness, and, mm -hmm. and, but I don't blame that on the Black Lives Matter, the people that are behind the Black Lives Matter. And, uh, don't know who to blame it on because there seems to be a, uh, a fuzzy sort of perspective and picture about who's doing what mm. when it comes to the violence. But there's been a lot of lawlessness. And yeah. so I, I uh, do believe that it's up to our government to, uh, in a sensitive and sensible way, to control the lawlessness. And, uh, this is something that uh, that I've seen, and and I don't know how that really boils down to race. It's not so much race as that yeah. it's that it's. I'm I'm just anti-violence when it comes yeah. to that. I'm a non-violent yeah. person. Yeah. Um, the only time I'm violent is when I just am backed into a corner and just absolutely have to be. Have to get out, um, right? It's uh, but uh, they're they're. Uh, 
I'm afraid that there's an association now with mm. violence and, and the Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, how much of that's really earned, and how much mm -hmm. of, it's, of it's really true, uh, it's very hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard to know. But there has been a, a, a um, meshing together that has happened for many people, and, and it's hard to sort of separate the strands because it's a very complex um, dialogue and, and push for justice that's happening. And, and so it's easy for it to get mushed together. But, but, and I would agree, and as Christians, we are um, nonviolent. Um, that's part of what Jesus teaches us. Um, um, and so it's hard to see that happen. Um, so, um, are you, um, when, when somebody says um, white privilege to you, I think you described your, your home in New York as a, a white block um, when you started. Yeah. So, when, when somebody says white privilege to you, what do you think of or, or what emotions do you feel? Well, I, I think of redlining and, and I think of... Uh, uh, what I've learned within the last year or two about mm -hmm. how blacks have become disadvantaged by mm -hmm. virtue of uh, control of where they can live, by mm -hmm. the realty industry, by the home selling industry, and by insurance companies. Uh, this redlining practice is, is uh, something that I'm told is still going on believe it or not, but a lot of it's been cleaned up. And when I think of white privilege, I think of the privilege that, that, that I have personally, uh, the advantages that I've had. And, uh, and I know for a fact that my, uh, my black friends of same age haven't had that same door open to them to own real estate, to, uh, uh, to uh, buy things uh, on credit sometimes, or to, mm. uh, uh, or to get a mortgage rate that, that is uh, uh, comparable to what mm. I would get. Wow. So, uh, so I think of that when, yeah. and I, I'm, I feel like we, when I hear about this, and I hear about how pervasive it was and the fact that it's still around. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that we can work on, something that right. we can improve. Uh, right. Some of this is hard to get your hands on, but that, that kind of opportunity that people have, mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, I do believe we've come a long way with educational opportunity, uh, at secondary levels. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, People are, 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 I think a lot more jobs are open, uh, mm -hmm. but we still got a ways to go as a society to yeah. make that opportunity be equal for everybody. Yeah. So, so what do you see as the church's role in that? Um, and you could talk specifically about Wellborn or just more in general, you know, what, is there a role that we have as faith community leaders? Well, I think maybe each one of us has to decide what role personally that we have yeah. and uh, uh, whether that fits as a church and whether that role is 
in line with with enough with, within our church community right. to uh, to point in a particular direction yeah. that could well determine yeah. uh, whether it's appropriate for yeah. for the church to be involved in these things and uh, I certainly wouldn't preclude that I think that yeah. uh, there is enough out there to yeah. to be done that, uh, that the church is can have a role in it and I think one role that we can take is is to to uh, be open in our hearts mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. to uh, uh, to associate with the church's positions on race, yeah. which are informed. Yeah. Right. Uh, we have a lot of church leaders that are mm -hmm. multiracial, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so uh, it, it's. Uh, and, and I think as you were talking about redlining and um, mortgages and, and just housing issues, I was thinking, um, you know, we don't, um, in, in Wellborn's neighborhood, it's, it's not just black um, people, but Latinx and um, uh, Afghani and um, Egyptian. And, um, and honestly, I don't know a lot about the real estate market in our neighborhood. I don't know a lot about... Um, the rental possibilities, the purchase possibilities. So I, as much as anything, I kind of throw that question out there as a, um, as a, you know, put it on the bulletin board for myself. So I remember to come back to it because um, I don't know that that's something we know a lot about. Um, yeah, I, the information I've gained about it is uh, talking to Amy, my, my daughter, who, mm -hmm. who is uh, informed about that kind of thing and yeah. studies public policy uh, as, as part of her job. And then, uh, and then also reading about it in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, so, so some of the, um, or one of the common things that we hear when people are trying to say, um, you know, I'm, we're not racist. I'm, we, we, we say I'm colorblind. I don't see race. I don't, I don't think about race. What's, what's your reaction to that? Well, I have, I have trouble with that whole term colorblind. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I do is because I don't see how a person can logically be co totally colorblind. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I am. I think I'm open to relationships with black folks and, and have had friend, relate, friendly relationships with any number mm -hmm. uh, before coming to Richmond and since coming to Richmond. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I would say that my the, the lifetime of those relationships is right in line with the lifetime of typical other relationships mm -hmm. on a parallel scale. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, but, uh, but to be colorblind, I think is to deny the difference. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I can't do that. I, I just, yeah. it, I have trouble doing that myself. And uh, I frankly don't see how anybody else can really yeah. say that they can yeah. be completely yeah. colorblind now, yeah. you know, uh, are we uh, are we uh, uh, open to relationships with our black associates? Uh, are we going to help them with the same advice we give to our uh, our white associates? Yeah. Uh, sure, you know mm -hmm. that that's uh, that can be answered more easily than color blindness. Right. 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 That's true. So. All right. Do you ever worry in this whole dialogue, and, and, and I think this is something that's come up for me personally in the last few months in particular, 
do you ever worry about getting it wrong about you know saying something that is going to offend somebody or um is that just me or does that no it's not just you okay <laughs> uh, me, too. <laughs> me too for sure in, in fact um you know, I drew the example of, of my black friends in school, and that's mm -hmm. they, they wanted to be called black. Yeah. But if you turn the page to more recent history, mm -hmm. some black folks would be offended by being called black. Right. They would want to be called African-American. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if I can be confident about mm -hmm. having a, a conversation and, and in that respect, know what's right, know, right. know what's right, yeah. what's the latest, what's, what's uh, up to date, and mm -hmm. what's uh, personally, what's gonna make my conversant feel mm -hmm. comfortable or not. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, so to, that is something that, that I wrestle with. I probably pause more in my conversation than yeah. I might normally. Yeah. Uh, I'm more careful with the way I choose the words I use mm -hmm. because I don't want to offend. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the important um, contributions, perhaps that that as people of faith we can make. Um, you know, our our posture is always one of love, and um, and just being able to say, okay, I'm being courageous and I'm stepping out here, and I want to engage in this conversation, and I I hope that you love me enough to to forgive me when I get it wrong, because because we're gonna sometimes yeah i think if we do approach things honestly that way even if we don't say it but if by our actions we approach it that way that uh, a very high percentage of times it, it'll be received well yeah. and it, it but every time well yeah we no way that. no way would it be received well every time yeah. it's just uh, yeah. human nature absolutely well that concludes kind of the questions we had talked about. Is there anything else you want to add that kind of came to mind as we were talking? Well, uh, my first job out of college, I had some good black friends. Um, if you look at Jackie's and my wedding pictures, we, we had a number of, uh, of uh, black couples that came mm -hmm. and, and uh, and joined us in, in our wedding celebration from mm -hmm. Baltimore, where mm -hmm. my first job was. And uh, the people that worked there at Baltimore, there were some really top-notch, uh, smart, um, uh, talented people. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my friends uh, that I wish I'd, I'd kept up with, but maybe I'll have to look him up, was Marty yeah. Jackson. I remember Marty Jackson would, uh, Give, uh, he was a, a Taekwondo instructor. Mm -hmm. He was he was mm -hmm. a master at Taekwondo. Wow. And he offered, he came up to me one day and he said, Bill, would you like to learn Taekwondo? I'm going to have classes during the lunch hour that you can come and, uh, and attend. And uh, and I did. And uh, it, 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 he was just a really thoughtful guy, quiet, and unassuming, mm -hmm. um, and big hair like was... The mm -hmm. way it was back in those days, mm -hmm. uh, but he turned out to be a really good friend. He was one of the ones, and as he had a brother that worked in the company too. Both of them came to to Jackie's and my wedding. But I I think about good experiences. Uh, 
you know, that may be the gift in the midst of all of this is, um, is the building of relationships and, um, um, you know, building of the kingdom that comes along with that. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really, really grateful for um, your willingness to, to be engaged in the conversation. And um, as we move forward, there will be more voices to add to the thread that'll be wonderful to weave into a tapestry together. Thank well, you think, so think, much, Bill. I think it's a, uh, an honorable thing that, that we're doing as a group and that you're promoting here uh, to have these conversations. And uh, now that I've had one, I look forward to looking back at some of the others. Um, and uh, I'm honored that you asked me to participate. And I you know, felt, feel, feel like I have something to share in this area. And uh, so I'm happy to share it. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad you've joined us for this episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with Each Other about race. We hope this conversation has made you think, and we invite you to pray about the questions it raises for you. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. If you would like to participate in a future episode, please contact us at Wellborn. I leave you with this Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Amen. Mm -hmm.